Tips for Travellers provides inspiration, advice and tips about finding and having a luxurious travel experience. It covers destinations, transportation, accommodation, attractions and journeys. I'm Gary Bembridge and I launched the Tips for Travellers podcast in 2005 to share with travellers my learning on how to make the most of their time in every international destination I visit. For the last 20 years, I've been travelling almost every month of every year to exciting destinations all around the world. Thanks to my global marketing job, it takes me to destinations on every continent. The air miles I earn while doing that helps to take me to even more destinations for vacation. Tips for Travellers shares that learning. Visit www.tipsfortravellers.com for more information. Remembering that Travellers is spelt with two L's the UK way. Hi and welcome to this, the 85th episode of the Tips for Travellers podcast. In the podcast today, we're going to carry on doing what we started in the last podcast, which is to look at some real jewels within Europe. Places that are not necessarily on the main tourist track, particularly if you're visiting from outside of Europe, but are really interesting places to go. And the place we're going to look at today is one that you may see if you are perhaps cruising in the Mediterranean on one of the big cruise lines, because it's a place that often appears on cruise line itineraries and is something that you may know very little about. And the place is called Genoa. And I'm going to give you four things that really stuck out for me about Genoa. And then and I'm going to talk about those. Lanes cobbles and amazing ceilings, yellow and oranges, beauty and the beast, ships, pirates, yachts, and a submarine. Now that may all sound a bit cryptic, but hopefully I will explain that much more. But these sentences really summarize the, the main impressions that I came away after having visited Genoa in Italy. And they're always going to stick in my mind. And in fact, I'm going back to Genoa in a couple of months' time. And whenever anyone says to me Genoa, that's what I think of. Now, Genoa in Italy, it's a place that I'd vaguely heard of in the back of my mind. It's one of those places I kind of knew knew about. But I knew pretty much nothing about. I could see no need. I had no desire to visit. But in the end, when I finally did go there, I found, like you so often do when you travel and you don't go to places that you expect or know, I found a remarkably beautiful and incredibly interesting place. And again, you know, like with most travel, visiting places you've not actively desired to go to, you have mixed to low expectations about, often end up being the ones that you enjoy the most, and certainly, of course, by definition, will have the most surprises. Now, the reason I went to Genoa was quite simply I was attending a travel blogger conference. I didn't have high expectations of the place. I actually, to be honest, because I do research a lot, as you know, before I go to places, I'd read about it online. And in fact, I wasn't even inspired by what I'd read about online. And I was really starting to wonder why on earth the conference was going to this place in Genoa. When I arrived, my worst fears were compounded and reinforced. My initial impressions were of an unattractive, very industrial and basically unappealing city until I entered what I call like a time machine. 
When I drove into the city from the airport, it was pretty unattractive. It was very industrial. It basically looked like any highly industrialized post-World War II city. So my expectations were kind of, which were low, kind of lowering and lowering. However, once I arrived at the hotel I was staying at, which was called the Grand Hotel Savoia, Genoa really started to get interesting. Now the hotel, the Grand Hotel Savoia, I've written on my blog about, and I actually called the article Grand Hotel Savoia, a hotel from the Hercule Poirot era. And the minute you arrive at this hotel, it's like stepping out of the modern world and stepping right back into the 1930s. The minute you walk through the entrance, you feel like you have been transported back in time. It really is just quite remarkable. It was really from that time, once I checked into the hotel, that the real beauty of Genoa started to reveal itself. You know, from the hotel, I could see these yellow and orange buildings, these apartment blocks stretching right up around the hills, all around the city. And yellow and orange seems to be the dominant color of the building spreading out from Genoa. It really will be an absolutely lasting memory. So from, from that hotel, I set off to explore the city. And the more I strolled, the more I discovered that Genoa really is packed with incredibly beautiful, classic buildings, many narrow cobbled lanes, which is actually what Genoa is well known for. And the buildings are even more breathtaking once you're inside. They have the most stunning and impressive ceilings and architecture inside than you can imagine, which is why I spoke about that sense of the ceilings. You know, one of the things these buildings just have is incredible ceilings. And it was at this point as I explored that for me, Genoa became the beauty and the beast. The beast is the industrial side to the city. You know, Genoa is a very important economic center, but there's a real beauty that's the old town. And this beautiful side of Genoa is stuck in, it embraces a past which has these glorious buildings. It has a very rich heritage. And you're constantly discovering interesting and new things through these little kind of alleyways and cobbled streets. You know, as you explore tiny lanes, you'll find interesting buildings, you'll find museums, quirky little galleries, really interesting shops. And it wasn't a surprise, therefore, that I discovered that Genoa was a European city of culture in 2004, and they're investing a lot of money with the help of the EU in restoring and maintaining these beautiful buildings. There's also a new aspect to Genoa. So although I'm calling it Beauty and the Beast, there's probably a new and kind of emerging piece, but didn't quite fit with my analogy of Beauty and the Beast, but maybe it's more part of the beauty. And basically, what Genoa is doing is all around the port area, and it's really the old port area. And what they're doing is they built these wide walkways. They've built this massive new aquarium. It's got something like 10,000 species in it. Really amazing aquarium. They've got a massive maritime museum with a decommissioned submarine moored outside, which I'll talk about a little bit later. They have this huge pirate ship from Roman Polanski's film Pirati. They have a, a ride called the Bigo Ride, which is this sort of big outside elevator thing. And there's loads of fishing boats and yachts. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the whole maritime and ship linkage of Genoa, because Genoa has this really strong link to shipbuilding, which still goes on today. It's a very busy cruise port with almost 300 ships visiting every year. It's the home of the Costa Cruise Line, which of course 
unfortunately became better known for the Costa Concordia, but it's the original base of that Italian cruise line. There's a massive international boat show. It has thousands of visitors from ferries and yachts. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that whole thing, because I do feel that one of the strongest reasons for going to Genoa is if you're interested in maritime history or you're interested in cruising or you're interested in ships generally. Genoa and maritime adventure are inextricably linked. And for me, this is one of the most important reasons for going to Genoa. So if you're a ship or transportation geek like I am, you'll find Genoa is a fascinating treasure trove of maritime and cruise liner history. I, I hadn't realized it before. And actually, as I'd mentioned, in all the research that I'd done, I hadn't found that side to Genoa. So if I'd known about it before I went, I'd been very excited. But when you look at travel journals, you look at travel sites, they don't talk about that side of Genoa. So it really was, to my huge excitement, as a fully qualified ship and maritime geek, the more I explored the city, I discovered more and more and more about this really interesting history. I do actually think that more could be made of Genoa's connection to ships. It's not obvious, even in the official promotional material and any of the tours, which is quite a surprise. Genoa tends to focus much more on the culinary side and the cultural side. You know, as I mentioned, it was a European city of culture. Genoa is where pesto was originally created. So they do talk a lot about the culinary side. They talk about culture and they almost ignore, in my view, this is very exciting, this is very vibrant, and this very romantic link to ocean going that's very much alive today. Now, maybe I'm a bit of a geek, but I do think it's really, it's a, it's a very important side of Genoa that's really interesting and really well done. So let me give you some examples. Christopher Columbus, who is attributed with discovering America, originated from Genoa. It was the center of the Italian transatlantic service when Italy was a big player in transatlantic crossings from Italy to the US. Today, cruise ships are actually built in the city. Hundreds of cruise ships and yachts visit Genoa every year. As I mentioned, it's where the head office of the Italian Costa Cruise Line is based. There's this massive museum. One of Italy's most famous submarines is retired to it. You know, so it, it's really an incredibly rich and underexploited aspect. So let me talk about a couple of things that I do think, if you're visiting Genoa, are, are really worth exploring in addition to the food and the museums. But what I would really recommend is worth exploring because it's what is makes Genoa unique and different. So the first one I've already mentioned, which is Christopher Columbus, who originated from Genoa. Now, there's not a huge amount uh, about him there other than he came from Genoa. It wasn't actually the Italians who funded his expedition that's attributed with discovering America. It was actually the Spanish crown. And of course, you know, the purist among you would argue that he's not the first European to go to the Americas and that a Norse explorer called Leif Erikson had got there before him. But anyway, generally speaking, Christopher Columbus is seen as being the man who, in commas, discovered America. He set sail in 1492 with three ships which if you know the little poem and from school was the Santa Maria, the Pinta and the Nina. And the way he discovered America is he sailed in the opposite direction to the accepted route. He was trying to find a new route to Asia. Lots of people thought he would fall off the end of the earth because of course at the time it's believed that the world was flat. He 
actually thought he'd found a new route to Asia rather than a route to a new continent. The way that Genoa acknowledges the fact that Christopher Columbus came from Genoa is with this massive big statue in the, and excuse my Italian, it's the Piazza Acqua Verde, which I assume something to do with water, Acqua Verde, which is outside this very beautiful white railway station. It's a beautiful building, very grand building. And he, this statue is right outside there. And the Genoa airport itself is actually called the Christopher Columbus Airport. So you have this link to Christopher Columbus. The other thing which is probably as important or equally important or whatever is the Italian transatlantic services would set sail from Genoa and the fastest Italian ship ever built were, from, from a transatlantic perspective was actually built in Genoa. It was the absolute key port for people traveling from Italy to New York, the same as like Southampton or Liverpool was in the UK. The hotel that I mentioned earlier, which is known as the Grand Hotel Savoia, was where the rich, the famous and the important would actually stay before boarding their ships is quite close to the port. It's still a glorious, it's a very old fashioned hotel that I mentioned earlier. It reeks of that era of glamour and they try and sort of, you know, build that linkage. You could actually almost if you stay there, you almost relive the atmosphere and you almost feel that sense of excitement there must have been before people boarded the ship. It's well worth going to visit if you are in Genoa, even if you just go for a tea or drink in these very beautiful public rooms. Now, the most famous and the most plush of all the Italian transit liners ever built was built in Genoa. It's called the SS Rex, R-E-X. It was launched in 1931. It was the fastest ship to cross the Atlantic westbound between 1933 and 1935. It, it was held what is known as the Blue Riband. Now, the Blue Riband is an unofficial award that at that time, between the 30s, the 40s, and kind of petered out in the 50s, was where nations and cruise liners competed for. You know, speed, speed, speed was the thing. So a nation building a liner that could do that crossing in the fastest average time was very prestigious. And so the Italians held it with this ship, the SS Rex. The Rex crossed in four days and 13 hours at an average speed of 18.92 knots. Now, today, even if you take with all the modern technology, it's pretty impressive. The Queen Mary II, for example, actually takes seven days to cross. Now, that's by choice. I think you can probably do it in about that amount of time if it, if it wanted to. It doesn't because now it's a much more leisurely process. But based on, you know, based on the technology of the time in the 1930s, it could cross in four days and 13 hours, going at an average speed of 18.92 yachts. The ship itself was actually bombed by the Royal Air Force in 1944 during the Second World War. It burned for four hours, it killed over and sank in shallow waters, and it basically stayed there until 1947 until it was broken up. So it kind of unfortunately was just bombed and gone. But so th there's that, that, that link with the transatlantic, which I personally find very exciting, just being there. And, and the closest you can really get to it now is, of course, by the port and, and the Grand Hotel Savoia, where people would stay. The third aspect is there's a very major Ficantieri cruise building yard in Genoa. Now, Ficantieri is one of the largest shipbuilders in the world today. It has a number of big shipyards, one of which is in Genoa, located in the Sestri Levante area. And this is where the airport is. So when you're flying in, you can often see the shipyards. And if you look, when you're coming in and out, you could very likely see a cruise ship being built. Since 1990, 
Over 60, 60 cruise ships have been built in Genoa. That's a huge amount. They're mostly built for the Carnival Cruise Line uh, or cruise company. They don't just build it for their own brand. But you know, Carnival, you know, owns all sorts of brands, including Cunard. No Cunard ships have been built there yet, but they've built ships for Carnival, Princess, and Costa. And in fact, the ill-fated Costa Concordia that sunk off the coast of Italy was was actually built in Genoa. The Costa Cruise Line head office is in Genoa. And although, as I've mentioned earlier, it, it, it's kind of unfortunately became better known because of the Costa Concordia accident in 2012, the, the, the Costa Cruise Line has a history going right way, way back to 1854. It started as a freight line like so many did, like Cunard started originally as a, as a mail carrying line, not mail as in men, mail as in post. But uh, so Costa started as a freight line. It became a passenger carrying company right back in the 90, late 1940s, about 1947, when it started transporting people to South America. Carnival bought it in, in 2000. It's still one of the largest cruise operations in Europe. It's much bigger, actually, than even some of the UK-based cruise lines, where you tend to think of them much more. It has 14 ships at the moment, constantly adding them. It travels all over the globe, and it also runs the AIDA German line and the Iberia Spanish cruise operations. So, you know, again, that strong linkage. The port itself, incredibly busy. And no matter which day you're there, you'll see ships coming in and out. And as I said, if, you, if you're cruising in Europe, there's a strong possibility that you may have Genoa as a starting point, depending on which cruise line you're with. You know, Barcelona is used by some cruise lines. Venice is used by some. And Genoa is, is again, a big one. It has 300 cruise ships visiting every year. Now, bear in mind, that's mostly during the summer season. So it's it's really busy port. When we were there, there would be two, three ships at least there every single day. But on top of the cruise ships, you get passenger ferries and you get yachts. And one of the statistics quoted is 4,000 passenger carrying vessels arrive every year at the port. It's a really busy, important port. So it's a great port to hang out by and just see this comings and going beautiful yachts, beautiful ships. As I mentioned, it's used by many cruise lines as a starting or ending port for a cruise. MSC, uh, MSC Cruises is one that uses a lot of their Mediterranean routes from Genoa. And they also use the port to name many of their new ships. So for example, I'm an official blogger, which I'm very excited about for MSC, for the launch of one of their ships, the MSC uh, Preziosa. Preziosa. <laughs> and that will be uh, named in the port of Genoa. The ships dock really close to the city center. So it's really easy if you're coming in on a cruise to walk into the old town, explore that beautiful port area, which I mentioned has been revitalized. And you've got some really interesting things to see, like you've got the Galata Museo de Mare, the Maritime Museum, the massive aquarium that I spoke about, the Aquario di Genoa, 71 tanks, 10,000 species, and the strange looking Beagle ride, which is supposedly inspired by old port cranes. But to me, it's like an outside lift, basically. But it takes you 40 meters up in a rotating lift with incredible views of the city surrounding areas. There's a huge expanse of mooring areas for yachts and boats, and it goes all through the old port. And in fact, right out of the airport, you'll see some very expensive, impressive looking boats and yachts. Great area strolling around that port. Let me talk a little bit about that Maritime Museum, because this is a very, very exciting museum. It's a Galata Museum Genoa. It's very modern. It only opened in 2004. Very impressive. It tells 
the story of exploration at sea. But for me, and I think for most people, especially kids, is the submarine. The Nazario Saro S518 submarine is moored right outside. It's a submarine that was decommissioned in 2002. It's an Italian-designed and built submarine class. It was launched in 1976. This one was actually launched in 1980. It was built again by Ficanteri, the people I was talking about earlier who built cruise ships. It wasn't built in Genoa. It was built in uh, Monfalcone. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's huge. It's 64 meters long. It operated with a crew of 49 people. It could travel a staggering 19 knots underwater. It's just beautiful. It's moored right there. And you can don a hard hat, you can tour the inside of the submarine with an audio guide. You get to see the controls, where the crew lived, operated, officers mess, pretty much the whole submarine. Now, because you need to clamber about, so it's not necessarily accessible um, to people who have mobility issues or don't like claustrophobia, they've built kind of a replica of parts of it within the museum. So. Uh, you can actually go up and, and have a clamber around that without actually going into the museum. It's very impressive. I personally still thought the French redoubtable submarine in Cherbourg is even more impressive. And if you want to find out more about that, you can visit the blog tipsoftravelers.com and search redoubtable or Cherbourg. But it's amazing. Submarines are amazing. They're fascinating. So that's definitely something worth doing. If you're going to kind of do one thing, I would do that. The other thing which is free is, and I mentioned earlier, is Roman Polanski's pirate ship. Now, in the old harbour, among all the massive private yachts and beautiful yachts, there's this absolutely massive, full-sized replica of a pirate galleon ship. It was built and used for the 1986 Roman Polanski film called Pirati Pirates. The film, apparently it's awful, but the film and the ship was made in Tunisia. It starred Walter Matthau. It was shown at the Cannes Film Festival right back in 1986. It was a complete financial flop. But the ship is amazing and striking. It's absolutely massive. You can tour it. There's incredible photo opportunities. Again, on my site at tipsofthetravelers.com. Uh, if you search this particular post, uh, generally you can see pictures of it. It's, it's really, 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 really impressive. The last maritime connection, and again, it's worth thinking about if you are visiting Genoa, is the Genoa International Boat Show. It's been running for over half a century. It's one of the most important boat shows. It's a massive affair. And what they claim is that you will see and buy anything or can see and buy anything from the smallest dinghy to a billionaire luxury mega yacht. It's held in October. It's nine days long. A lot of money people, a lot of boat enthusiasts. It's one of the most famous, most established of all the boat shows on the circuit. And again, I think it's great because it reflects that whole history of Genoa and shipbuilding. So that's Genoa. It's not a only a beautiful city. It has its industrial side, but it's got this incredibly rich, exciting maritime history. And I do think that in, in its own right is worth visiting the city. I was so glad that I got to go to Genoa. I was so surprised by the beauty of it. You know, if I was going on a cruise, I probably wouldn't have spent any time in Genoa. If you are going to Genoa or in that region of Italy, spend some time in Genoa. Spend some time exploring that maritime side to it it's just so beautiful and there's amazing food it has this really rich culinary uh, background there's all sorts of places you can stay from apartments in these beautiful old buildings through to the beautiful grand hotel savoia through to days in there's a massive spread of 
of hotels and, and prices and it's very walkable. It's just the most amazing place to stay. So in the last episode, we spoke about Girona in Spain, a little treasure, and Genoa in Italy, another real treasure and a real big tips for travelers. Hopefully that's given you something to think about and inspired. If you enjoy the podcast, it'd be great if you, when, when you're next on iTunes, if you've got a chance to perhaps leave a review, it, it does help enormously uh, for how the podcast performs in iTunes. So I'd really appreciate that. And again, if you have any thoughts or comments, please visit the site tipsfortravelers.com and drop me a note. You'll find on the right-hand side all you know the sharing, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, a form where you can send me an email. I do love to hear from people. If there's anything you want me to talk more about, talk less about, do differently, always happy to hear, always happy to, to get back to you as, as much as I can and as quick as I can. But until then, here's to safe travels and a great time. You've been listening to Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. A new destination with first-hand based advice, recommendations and tips is added each month. If you subscribe to the podcast, thanks for your support. If you don't, you may want to consider subscribing by searching Tips for Travellers or Gary Bembridge on iTunes or your favourite podcast directory. You can then subscribe to the Tips for Travellers Global Travel Destination audio podcast or the video podcast with hotel rooms and attractions. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com where travellers is spelled the UK way with two L's or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk.